Wells is back here with Georgia Southern's head coach, Mark Byerson, here on the Boss Man Show with a big game against their rival, Georgia State, this weekend on Senior Day. Coach, I know this is a big week for you and your guys, man. You got Georgia State coming down to play you guys. I know you guys are excited with it being March here. Yeah, you know, if you, if you love college basketball, if you love basketball at all, I mean, March is a special time of year for you. And uh, the, fa- the fact that we can play Georgia State, play on senior night, uh, play for a championship on the line. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And, Coach, you've been on a good run here. 66 on the road to get the 12-5 and five in conference play, 20-10 overall. What has been the key factors for you guys training around here going as on this run you've been on so far? Well, we finally started to play defense. And, um, you know, if you look at some of our statistics, we've been top 10 in the country. Um, and a lot of offense statistics with points per game and field goal percentage and so we've been good on offense most of the year, but we've been real inconsistent on defense. And the last six games, almost kind of starting since we were last playing in Atlanta against Georgia State, we started playing much better defense, and you know, and the wins started taking care of themselves. Now, coach, was it a scheme change or a player change? How, what kind of spark is this, this defensive commitment your team has, has went to now? Yeah, it, it's it's, a, it's not really much of a player change. Uh, you know, we got um. We, we lost probably our, our second best player preseason all conference guy. He hasn't played in, in conference play this year. Got him, Ike Smith, who's probably one of the best five, ten players in the Sun Belt. And so we had to deal with that early on of not having him, some rotation things and, and figuring out who's going to play at what spots and some roles. But since then, it's been more of a commitment to defense. Uh, we're pressuring a little bit more, doing some things in the half court and full court that have been able to turn some teams over. But the main thing, really, I mean, it, it's just more of a commitment. I mean, the guys that have understood, they're, you know, that we're going to score points and, and we can't try to win games in the 80s. So we got to try to get the stop. You got there, right, Coach, because this time of year, defense travels this time of year in March here. And if your shot's not there, if you can defend and stop the other, other guys, you have a chance to win still if your shot's not there. Yeah, it's funny. We played Georgia State in the Sun Belt Championship my first year in the league. And the score was 38-36, uh, not at halftime. That, that was the final score. So uh, both teams brought their defense that day, but not offense. But the defense gave us his bug, both of us a chance to win. Now, Coach, I put the, the darn conference skills you guys played really toughened you guys up. Some tough losses there, some adversity. I feel like I feel like those lessons that you learned back in November, December are helping you guys here in February and March. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, the strength of schedule for our RPI um, is, is top 25 in the country. And it, it wasn't really by choice. It, it kind of just happened. Um, not a lot of teams wanted to play against Tukey Brown and Ike Smith and Monte Glenn. So the only teams that we could find to play us were all really good teams. And so next thing you know, you're going to Central Florida, who's in the top 25 right now. You're going to play at Dayton, who's one of the best college basketball environments in the country, and Arizona and, and Radford and some places like that. And even our home games. East Tennessee State's really good. We played Bradley at home, George Mason at home. So we didn't have any easy wins or easy games at all. So it did make us tougher. But to be truthful, it wasn't by choice. We just couldn't find anybody else to play us. And, Coach, I can only imagine the next year be even harder because you're good again. Who wants to play? Who wants to take a potential L? And, man, I mean, Coach, I can only imagine the headache you're going to stay after trying to schedule these games for non-conference. I can only imagine the, the headache you get. Well, I've had a lot of people just flat out tell me that they're not going to play us until Tukey Brown graduates. And Saturday's his last home game this last year. 
So I'm going to hold some people to the word that they're going to have to play us next year because Tukey Brown will be playing professional basketball somewhere. And speaking of Tukey Brown for Madison, Georgia, out there, uh, exit 113 off I-20, where's he been to your program coming to you guys? And where's he been for you on and off the court? Set an example for the young guys on your team and guys on the roster, who are even sophomores and juniors who are coming up behind him. Where's he meant to, to you guys go this year and beyond? Well, the, the simple answer is everything. And uh, to, to make it longer and kind of elaborate on it, he's he's given us a name, you know, throughout the state of Georgia. He's given us a name nationally. He's given us a chance to compete for championships every single year. I mean, uh, his freshman year, we were the youngest team in the country. We finished fifth in the league. So we've been, you know, a third or higher ever since then. And, you know, that that's a, a big thing to him. But he sets the tone because of his work ethic, how unselfish he is. You know, he's easy school's all-time leading scorer, and I tell people the honest truth that he could score probably a 1,000 more points if he wanted to, but he wanted to try to make the right play. He wanted to try to get the assist, get his teammates involved, and that just sets the tone for work ethic, unselfishness, you know, all the things that a coach dreams of. You got there right, Coach. And if I recall, Coach, was he, was he committed to Mississippi State and then he came to you guys after Rick Ray got fired? Is that correct? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, Rick Ray – got fired and it helped out the Sun Belt because we got Suki Brown and then Georgia State gets uh, DeMarcus Simon, so it helped, helped out both of us. Oh, yeah. The, those guys both being in the NBA, I think, next year, Tuki and DeMarcus, those guys have a great career ahead of them. Now, on, on your roster now, Coach, who are some other guys that this year really played a big role for you guys as you guys have won 20 games again this year? Well, we have a sophomore in Quan Jackson who I think is going to be um, voted all-conference here you know, uh, next week. And he's had a tremendous sophomore year. Um, defensively getting steals. You know, he, he's, a, he gives us an explosive score. Uh, we have a, a new player to our program, Isaiah Crawley, who's played very good, um, in, in his first year. And then Monty Glenn, he's a senior as well from Carrollton, Georgia. And, you know, he's, he's as valuable as anybody we have on the team. Sometimes his statistics don't kind of, you know, blow up on the page and people don't see him, but he does so much for us on the court and extremely valuable. You know, the, um, all the little things that he does with leadership and making plays for us. Yes, indeed. Yeah, the I-20 connection. Carrollton, West Georgia, Tukey, head towards Augusta. The I-20 connection there. I tell you what, Coach, I feel like the guys you have, this you have a lot of junior and senior experience you can, you can go to. And this time of year, you need guys who have been through those wars and are battle-tested. And do you feel good about having guys who you can trust to know your system, know your scheme, know what to do when it's time to get tough and not be scared of the moment? Yeah, and I like the fact, too, of everything you said, I like the fact, too, that these guys bought in to continually get better throughout the season. And, you know, college basketball, it's five and a half months long, and it is a long, long season, a lot longer than football and baseball, college, you know, these college, college sports. But our guys are bought in, just not coming to practice, trying to keep getting better individually and as a team. And so we, we've gone on a winning streak lately, but, it, you know, the, the credit deserves to the guys because they just love basketball. They want to keep getting better. And I still think we got another level left in us, so hopefully we can find that in this next month. Now, Coach, speaking of player development, it's, it's real key at the mid-major levels as, as player development piece. So, Coach, throughout the year, do you still work the guys on the individual games, with doing those individual drills and one-on-one sessions? You still have them go through like the workouts you would do in April, May, and June? Or you kind of just work it outside of practice as well, like get the guys up shots, get them to run through different drills, the defensive offense to get better. So what was your approach to getting guys better all year long, in-season and, and out-season there, Coach? Well, both. Um, you know, a lot of times the guys are coming and getting shot. 
um, off the day, you know, with an assistant coach or, or on their own. And, you know, that helps it in a way. But at the same time, we spend the first 40 minutes of every practice on ball handling, shooting, and passing. And just sticking with the fundamentals there. And, and then on Mondays, most time if we play on a Thursday, Saturday, our Monday is about 90% just fundamentals and skill development. So we stay with it all year. And it's something that I love seeing. I love seeing guys get better. I got two freshmen in my top eight guys. And the amount of improvement they made since the beginning of the season is tremendous. And I think the skill development and sticking with the fundamentals has been a big reason why. You got there, right, Coach. When they get that foundational of how to play the game the right way and those right skills, man, they, they can make them guys become max them out and whatever, and whatever they want to be because at your level, if you develop the guy just right, by the time he's a junior or a senior, he can be a high major player with, with his body, with his skill, and his mindset. He can really help you guys win games on their own if it gets down to it in a real tight situation there, Coach. Yeah, you're exactly right. I think what every – kind of mid-major coach wants is by the time those guys are juniors or seniors to be you know, as good as any player they might go against that's in the ACC or SEC or whatever um, because of the fact that they have gained the strength now. They, you know, they've got the maturity, but also their skill development and the experience they got. But that's what you want. You're going to see it a lot here in the NCAA tournament. You're going to see some teams pop up and get some people. And then most of the time you see it, you'll see these teams that have a lot of juniors and seniors kind of been through a lot of things. You got there, right, Coach? Now, Coach, now you got. I think you got got a good a good draw this time playing Georgia State with a, a, at least a four or five day prep on these guys. Because Ron throws all kinds of zones at you, so getting guys prepared for that zone defense, you gotta love having these many days to get ready for that. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. That's uh, you, you need you need a couple more days to get ready for them. They're one of the best defensive teams and in our league every single year. Uh, it's a tricky zone. It's unusual. You don't see it any other time throughout the year. Um, so it, it's not like Syracuse's 2-3 zone or some of the other zones. So it definitely has some, um, you know, a lot of nuances to it. And, and, you know, I've been going against it now for six years, and, and I still can't, you know, pick all the parts up because it's ever-changing. He does a great job with it. So uh, we got to be able to, you know, pass, catch clean. Uh, when we get open shots, be able to make them. And then we got to be able to adjust because a lot of times their zone will kind of adjust to something, anything that you're doing well and, and don't make an adjustment to try to take them away. Now, Coach, your conference is still, Coach, is just playing real well. You got Georgia State, yourself, Texas State with 12 wins, other teams right there at eight or nine right behind you. So even the, the guys who are below eight wins are tough outs every night. So in your league, to me, there's no easy nights in the, in the Sun Belt Conference this year. So for you as a coach, do you feel, feel the same exact way knowing every night you guys have to compete and bring it because you can be beaten on any given any one of these teams. Record be damned there. Yeah, you, you have to bring it every single night. And, and, a lot, and what we do in our league is we play Thursday, Saturday. So a lot of times, you know, it, you got really hard travel in our league. You know, our league stretches all the way across to the Arkansas and Texas. Um, we're in Alabama, we're in the Carolinas and Georgia's, of course. But it, it goes all the way across. So sometimes, you know, you see weather delays and battling different things and sicknesses and that kind of thing. It, it is hard to maneuver your way through an 18-game schedule in the Sun Belt. And if you don't bring it uh, any night, you're going to lose the game and, we kind of seen that all throughout the year in our league. Well, Coach, best look to you in Saturday against Georgia State. And also, good luck to you in New Orleans. So hope to talk to you again down the road here, Coach, when you get that ticket to the big dance, man. That sounds good. I appreciate you having me on. Anytime, Coach. Thank you again, buddy.
All right, thank you. All right, folks, it's Mark Byronson here on the Boss Man Show, people. My heart skips keeping a beat. You're not close enough, so that space between you and me, let's lose it. The way you're dancing, swaying to the music, girl, that body and how you move it. Every time you cross my mind, girl, I lose it. Alexa, play the Country Heat playlist. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. All right, folks, here's the Jared the Boss Man Show. We're joined by Chris Kirshner from The Athletic, covering the Atlanta Hawks here. Here for us. So Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Uh, just want to get your thoughts, Chris, first of all, on the Hawks and what you saw them since from October until now, the improvements you've seen in, in the roster. Starting guys, just give us a little overview how you feel about how the seasons went so far for, for the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think the Hawks so far have exceeded expectations coming into the season. You know, there were a lot of people who thought the Hawks were going to be the worst team in the league, and obviously that hasn't been true. Um, you know, some people even thought the Hawks were only going to win 20, 19 games this season, and they've already exceeded that number. Um, so, I mean, I think that just shows you the kind of job that Lloyd Pierce and his staff have done. Um, you know, I was looking at some stats last night. Six of the nine top players on the Hawks, as far as minutes per game leaders go, have less than three years of experience. So, I mean, what they're doing, I mean, obviously the record isn't showing, you know, the success. They're over 20 games under 500. But I, I truly think that, you know, this team has shown that they're heading in the right direction, obviously led by um, Trey Young and John Collins, the second-year power forward out of Wake Forest, averaging almost 20 points and 10 rebounds per game. Trey, what he's done since the All-Star break in, in particular has been – Nothing short of impressive and spectacular. He's probably second right now as far as rookie of the year race goes, um, trailing Luka Doncic from the Dallas Mavericks. But I mean, I don't, I don't think there's really um, anything bad you can say about what Trey has done. I know some fans, and you know, obviously a lot of national media has criticized the Hawks' decision to trade Doncic for Trey Young and Dallas's first-round pick this upcoming draft but I mean I I truly think that you know I don't think it's fair to judge that trade just yet just because you know Trey has shown that you know he's very capable of of leading a team and who knows what this draft pick can can bring the Hawks in this upcoming draft if that pick does convey it is top five protected but you know I do think that the Hawks are heading in the right direction and that's really all you can hope for in a rebuilding process now Chris uh, I have some fans who listen to the show who have said to me directly they feel like the Hawks have won too 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 many games in their opinion. <laughs> they're their fifth in, in the draft pick standings here right now. I have fans right. say that the Hawks have won too many games. Now I will say this, uh who is a guy who goes to the games pretty often, uh I do feel like we can see less of Baysmore and Deadman and to a degree, you know, to kinda mm. n- not be so good to win so many games. But I feel like you kind of have to have you, you got to have the guys to cover cover a lot of other injuries on the team as well. You got to be right. respe- respectable per se. And then you know I know what the fans are wanting to do is to rebuild and get the get Zion Williamson. But do you feel like the mm. Hawks maybe could play less of 
Baysmore and Deadman because you can't you can't bench Vince Carter. Vince Carter is going to sell tickets for the Hawks for the Hawks. You can't bench him. People want to see the legend one more time, or if we don't know he's going to retire or not. So, but beyond that, do you think they can maybe do less of Deadman and Baysmore and play more of the young guys and you know let Vince do his thing with the second unit pretty much and and let the fans enjoy him? Yeah, I mean. Well, right now it's particularly hard for the Hawks to um, do that just because they they have some injuries right now, especially in the front court. Last night they lost um, Alex Poitras. He's going to miss some time, rolled his ankle. Um, Amari Spellman, the rookie out of Villanova, um, rolled his ankle a few games ago. He's going to miss four weeks. So, um, you know, you have to play guys. You can't just roll, roll out three guys on the court and say, all right, let's go five on three. I mean, they, they have to play. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just a matter of, of basketball. But I, I totally understand why fans wouldn't want guys like Kent Bazemore on the court or, um, you know, when Jeremy Lin was, was with the team um, prior to the trade deadline, why they wouldn't want him out on the court. But what I can say is that, you know, obviously with this being a rebuilding process, it's not like the Hawks are winning games because of guys like Kent Bazemore or Alex Lynn or Dwayne Debman. I mean, they're winning games because of the success out of the young players. And if you're a fan of a rebuilding team, I think that's all you can really hope and want for, especially in a rebuilding process, because that shows you that, okay, like, obviously these guys are very young right now. Playoffs aren't expected, but, you know, if they can win with guys like Trey Young and Kevin Herter and John Collins, I mean, that just shows you that, okay, like there's reason to be optimistic for next year or the year after that. Um, Because right now you're laying a foundation and you want these guys to, you know, have some success. You don't want them to be like the Phoenix Suns who have only won 13, 14 games this season. I mean, that. And the the Suns were actually in town, I think it's now two weeks ago, and that locker room was just absolutely miserable. Like, you could tell, like, they're not having fun. You go into the Hawks locker room, totally different. They they genuinely enjoy each other. They genuinely enjoy playing with each other. And that's so important because when they do start winning games at a, at a higher clip, I mean, it's only going to make them that much better because this team chemistry right now is, is super strong. And for a team who's only won just over 20 games, I mean, that shows you the promise that this team has. So what I would say for the fans who are hoping, um, you know, the Hawks lose more games, uh, you know, last night's game against the Spurs was one of 12 games to end the season, 12 of 17 games to end the season against current playoff teams. So, I mean, I true, I, I expect the Hawks to lose more games. So it's not like they're, they're going to be on this incredible winning streak beating teams like – the Bucks twice. They have them t- uh, twice to end the season. They have Philadelphia to end the season twice. Um, you know, they the Blazers are coming to town. So, I mean, they have a, a bunch of tough games coming up. So, I mean, for the fans who are hoping for losses, I mean, I, I think those are going to come uh, as the season ends. Now, Chris, a guy who I'm worried about might not be a part of the future is Torian Prince because he he's yeah. had an up-and-down year. And you get all these young, young talent here with Kevin Herter mm-hmm. and those guys uh, – you got draft picks next year as well. I feel right. like the Hawks are going to start paying guys down the road here soon. And Troy in front of somebody you can't pay with what he's done this year, being so, being so up and down. Yeah, so I definitely agree with you. And it's going to be interesting to see what the Hawks do, especially this upcoming summer. 
because um, Torian is due for that rookie extension. And, you know, he definitely, um, you know, hasn't shown much to warrant uh, a pricey extension, which is probably something that he's going to hope for. I mean, a- any player is hoping for uh, a big payday. But from what Torian has shown this year, I mean, I, I just can't see the Hawks um, – you know, giving him that kind of money that he probably wants. So it'll be interesting to see how he responds if he does not get that contract extension, which he's eligible for this upcoming summer. And if he doesn't get that contract extension, you know, he he, de- he goes into next season, you know, hoping to, you know, get that payday at the end of the following season. So, um, but yeah, I mean, from what he's shown this year, I mean, I, I don't think he's taken a, a, a leap forward in his progress. Um, defense is, has been a, a huge question this year and it's surprising too because heading into this season there were so many um, you know expectations of, of what Torian can do for this team Torian was expected to be one of the stars of this team and he just hasn't really shown that side of his game all that much this year I mean he's definitely had some games where you, you see like okay like this is this is the Torian that they expect night in night out but we just haven't seen that um, so yeah, I, I, it's it's hard to say where he fits into the Hawks' future plans. I mean, from talking to people inside the organization, um, you know, it's it seems like it's hot and cold. There's some nights where they're they're like, you know, Torian, uh, you know, he's one of the better catch and shoot uh, three point players in the league. Um, the potential for being a lockdown defender is there, and then there are other nights where you know they they say like, you know they can't see him a part of the future plan. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, especially with this draft coming up, Um, you know, especially in those top 10 picks, they're, they're likely going to be several wings that the Hawks can acquire in the draft. Um, You know, if Dallas's pick conveys, the Hawks will have two top 10 picks and, you know, that gives you the opportunity to draft, um, some really high-level wing players like Duke's Cam Reddish if the Hawks end up in that 4-6 range, um, which is where they're at right now. Um, Texas Tech's Jarrett Culver would fit really nicely with the Hawks. So, you know, come come ju- the end of June when that draft rolls around, if the Hawks, you know, exit the first round with two wing players, I mean, I think that's going to show us what the Hawks exactly think of Torian Prince. But as of right now, I mean, it, he's a big question mark for the for the future plans. And it's, it's kind of a shame because, you know, they've had such high expectations for him heading into the season with the way he ended last year, um, you know, just on a big scoring streak. And, um, you know, Coach Mike Budenholzer, before he left Atlanta, definitely gave the keys to Torian. And he showed what he could do last year. But, it, you know, it just hasn't translated into this, into this season. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Now, Chris, with all these draft picks coming up here that the Hawks are old, does the pick from from the Cavs come the Hawks' way too, or is that protected real good as well? Yeah, that one's not going to come this year. Um, That's top ten protected, and Cleveland right now is third in the in the lottery standing. So, um, you know, there's no way for them to um, be outside of the top ten. So that's going to transfer to next year's draft. And um, Cleveland's pick is also protected top ten. If it doesn't come through next season, then the following, um, I think it's 2021 and 2023, if I got those years right, it turns into two second-round picks. Got you. Now, all these picks the Hawks have, uh, I mm-hmm. feel like there may be just a, a Boston waiting to happen, having too much talent, which is not a bad thing, but I feel like you know you have to decide 
who which guys fit and which guys don't. And I wouldn't want to just right. burn draft picks and have them flame out on me either. So it's like I'm kind of concerned about all the picks the Hawks have in the future mm-hmm. and all the y'all these just young guys now. How do you determine? Who stays? Who goes? Who, who you paid? Who, who you don't? That's just what I worry about with the Hawks getting to that point of just having too much of, of a good thing. Yeah, I mean, um, and you're not the only one to worry about that because uh, General Manager Travis Schlenk said that a few weeks ago. He thinks that you know this upcoming draft, the Hawks have five draft picks, and he thinks that may be too many for the Hawks as is. So. You know, it's possible that they, you know, package some picks and either try and acquire a, a veteran player or a young player to um, help accelerate the rebuilding process. I don't think the Hawks are going to end up, you know, when they when they end up doing their press conference um, right after the draft and when training camp rolls around, it would be a surprise to see five rookies enter training camp. I mean, that's just too many. So, yeah, I don't think that five rookies are going to, you know, be on the Hawks roster next year. We can definitely see potential, especially with those second-round picks. Um, You know, Travis drafts a couple European guys and and stashes them overseas or, um, you know, brings them to the G League team that's coming to Atlanta. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely concern that, you know, there's too much young talent because sometimes when you have too much young talent, as you mentioned, the Boston Celtics – it's it's too much and it's an influx of egos and personalities guys wanting the ball um so yeah you don't want that situation and it's it's something that especially with this past trade deadline um you know Travis Schlenk didn't want to acquire draft picks for this upcoming draft because they already had five draft picks which is too many um so he was hoping to acquire future assets that didn't happen because teams didn't want didn't want to part ways with what um with what the Hawks were offering in return. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some, I guess, I don't, I wouldn't call it concern um, because, you know, what the Hawks are doing right now, you want to have as many um, chances to get a star player as possible. And the best way to do that um, right now in a younger building process is through the draft. So I wouldn't necessarily look at it as a negative, but they definitely have to find a way to balance the, the young guys that are are coming into this upcoming team this upcoming year as as far as balancing it out with the guys that are currently on the team because like you mentioned they have to figure out who's going to be a part of this rebuilding process and who's not i think we'll get more clarity on on that as the season ends yes there were chris i thank you for your time today man i will see you at the arena saturday and sunday because i'll be coming to those games so hope to catch up with you back there in the media media room and locker room or something we'll catch up one way or another brother thank you again for your time today for sure thanks man all right folks it's chris kirster here on the boss man show from the athletic covering your hawks it's maybe the night that my dreams might let me know all the stars are closer all the stars are closer tell me what you're gonna do to me Confrontation ain't nothing new to me. You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue, but you can't bring the truth to me. Alexa, play Kendrick Lamar and Scissor. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. All right, folks, back here on the Boss Man Show, joined by Matt Ellen Tuck of NSP Nation. What is good, Matt? How you doing, brother? Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. You're very welcome, man. Uh, 
I want to start out, y'all, because I know you're in D.C., man. And my former friend, Dwight Howard, is up there. We're not friends anymore. Don't know why that is. But things usually went south with me and Dwight. How are the Wizards doing? And is he ever going to come back from that injury he has? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wizards, there's certainly something, man. They're uh, not exactly doing what I would do or what I think anyone would advise to do in trying to hunt down that eight seed, but they're somehow still alive in the playoff hunt. Uh, I don't know. It's just such a weird season, man. Just so many injuries and so many midseason trades and locker room turmoil and very few real bright spots. I think we learned that uh, Bradley Beal's a real star, so I guess that's a that's a real nice point and. Maybe the Wizards have something in Troy Brown because he's finally starting to get minutes. But besides that, it's just like a very lackluster kind of hunt for the AT. So the Wizards are pretty much stuck in NBA purgatory in the middle of nowhere pretty much. And with John Wall out for another year, pretty much same thing next year too. Yep, that's it. Now, you trade Otto Porter away with the trades of – you know, that, that went straight away Marquise Morris. Uh, Wall is out. The, the Wizards, I know Leon said he would never tank, but come on, man. You got to get you, – you're stuck in purgatory. You're not going anywhere. Use that build asset to make some get, – get, do what the Hawks are doing, rebuild, start over again while John Wall's out, and build around Wall. Hopefully he comes back to some halfway near what he was. But just sticking with, with what you got – you're going to be losing fans, and, and people will be like, oh, is this the, is this the Wizards doing what, what the Wizards do, which is nothing. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I would have traded Beal at the deadline. Um, I guess, you know, we're we're people on the outside who don't have to look at the business metrics of it and worry about making money. Um, but from a pure basketball standpoint, hell yeah, I would have, I would have tore that place down. I mean, there's no need for guys like Trevor Reza and Jeff Green who are in their 30s and you know, are more interested in actually maybe winning games than hunting for a lower seed. Like, dish those guys off. Let's play Thomas Bryant some more. Let's play Troy Brown some more. Let's play Sam Decker some more. That would be my goal. But uh, then again, I'm not a multi-millionaire owner, so maybe I'm doing it wrong. Well, the Wizards have been doing it wrong for years, so you you can't be no worse than what they've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> From a basketball standpoint, yeah. I mean, it hasn't been pretty. Yeah, man. So, I mean, they should bring you or I in as a consultant to help help them see the light. Like, come on, man. Let's get something going here. Now, Matt, we, we know here in Atlanta we have a lot of debate about Doncic v. Young. We could hear debate. Trey Young, since the All-Star break, has been on fire. He's been carving up fools. He even got, he even got ejected for staring at somebody on Sunday against the Bulls. And Chris Dunn, who is a uh, – he didn't know his role, so shut his mouth. He ain't nothing out on the court out there. So who do you feel – how do you feel about that debate between Trey Young and Luka Doncic? Who was your rookie of the year? And, and, and going forward, who do you see having the most upside as you see it right now, brother? I mean, right now, I, I think Luke is like the runaway rookie of the year candidate. I don't think that Trey can really catch up to him at this point. Luca has just been like unreal, man. I mean, rookies don't play like this. Rookies don't look like he does. Uh, rookies don't step up in big moments like he does. Luca's just had like an all-around crazy-ass year. Uh, but that's not to say that Trey hasn't been really, really good, too. And I think in other years, Trey Young could, could probably win rookie of the year. But... Um, 
Luke is just unreal. Um, as far as the future, though, I think they're both all-stars. Uh, we're always going to worry about Trey's defense, and I know that that's something that him and his trainer have you know, made like a focal point of, of that being what he needs to work on each and every summer and gaining some weight and putting on some upper body strength because that'll help him, too, to make up for his small size. But even if Trey doesn't become a, a great defensive player, he's so good on offense. His range is limitless. His passing is crazy. I mean, this guy has unreal vision. We saw it in college, so it shouldn't be like that. That's shocking. Um, but I really think that Luca and Trey are going to battle head-to-head for years and years, and they're both all-star quality guys. Um, I'd still lean Luca. I still see Luca as more of an MVP candidate, but I'm not sure Trey will get to that level. But they're both in just unreal. They're both so good. Now, uh, now, Matt, what is your prognosis on the Hawks? How many years away do you, do you think they are? Outside of people, they're two years away from contending. Some people say three. How do you feel about that? Uh, I mean, that's always going to be a matter of, like, how they can play the free agent market and how they can market Trey Young as being a guy that other guys should want to come to Atlanta to play around. But they have some great pieces. I mean, even besides Trey, I'm a huge fan of Kevin Herter. I've uh, watch him play at Maryland. That's where I went to school. Uh, he's a real piece uh, that helps you rebuild quicker. I know Amari Spellman hasn't been great, but I still think he's going to be a piece also. I mean, Torian Prince is a piece. It's just a matter of if they can lure star power, and I'm not sure how many years Trey Young has to be really good before another star says, hey, I want to play with Trey. Um, it's also going to, I guess, depend on what draft picks they come away with, right? If they if they come out with, uh, with Zion and in June, that flips the whole script, too. So, we'll see. I think it's a it's a matter of waiting, but they are definitely, I think, ahead of schedule. I don't think they were going – I didn't think they were going to be this good this soon, even though they're bad, if that makes sense. Unfortunately, we won too, too many games. I've seen too much of Kent Bazemore, Dwayne Dedman, and Alex Lynn for my liking. So <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I can feel you. As a person who's watched Washington play guys and play older guys instead of their younger guys, I get you. Yeah, we. I've seen too much of those guys. Hopefully, playing twelve teams in the playoff hunt with winning records, the next seven seventeen games will help the Hawks be worse and maybe seal a top five pick. <laughs> Hopefully, I think so. I think you're good, but damn, <laughs> I know, right? Now another team who might need to turn into tank mode: the LA Lakers. This whole team is went straight to hell, Matt, because. You got young guys with ego trying to prove themselves. LeBron James comes in with his his aura and his ego and his passive-aggressive ways. He likes to attack people. Then you got guys like Rondo, McGee, and Lance Stevenson on one-year prove-it deals. So this team was bound to combust. So I'm not shocked this team has went straight to hell in the tank for us this season. I know that was in fourth in the West when LeBron was healthy, but come on. We, we, we know that he wasn't really that good. It was just LeBron James being at full strength. And this was awesome. Also see you here, Matt. Losing Lonzo Ball was more critical than they thought he was because without Lonzo Ball, they're done five and five and fourteen without him since he got, got hurt in Houston. So that tells me Levar, in his queer way, maybe don't maybe own to something with the Lakers there with his son Lonzo Ball. But yeah, I mean Lonzo's great. I, I think Lonzo is an all-star caliber player too. He's a terrific defender, and he's obviously an upgrade over Rondo. I mean, no offense to him, but he isn't it anymore. Um, yeah, I mean, the Lakers, to me, I, I agree with you. I think we all kind of knew this over the summer, that this team was just very, very poorly constructed. Uh, we're, we're all aware at this point that you need to surround LeBron with shooters, and they 
somehow managed to come away an entire summer without a real reliable shooter. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they faltered. Then LeBron got hurt for a long stretch of time, and Lonzo got hurt a couple of times. Ingram got hurt. Uh, so it isn't surprising that they're out of the playoff hunt. Obviously, it just became a total disaster around trade deadline time when everything got out about what the Lakers' plans were to basically trade half their freaking team for Anthony Davis, and that's sort of a thing you have to keep under really tight wraps unless it actually happens. Uh, and then we saw, you know, the downward spiral from that and the frustration from the kids, the frustration from the vets, the frustration from LeBron. So, yeah, I mean, I think this Lakers season has been an all-out, you know, disaster for the most part. I mean, luckily everyone isn't, isn't too injured and they'll be fine for the next year, but they really have to hit a home run this summer in some sort of a way, and maybe they can find a way to stop that Anthony Davis deal or else they've kind of broken the trust from Kuzma and Ingram and Hart and all of those guys who are essential to the core of the team if LeBron – uh, ages out. You got that right. Now, Matt, are you shocked at the quiet buyout market we had this year? It really shocked me how quiet it's been on the buyout. Usually each year the buyout market is really kind of like the thing, but this year it's kind of like it came and it went so fast with nothing yeah. other than I Cantor, mean, Wes Matthews, and a few other guys. Yeah, I mean, a couple of guys, right? Yeah, Cantor's one, Marquise Morris to Oklahoma, uh, Pau Gasol to Milwaukee, uh, a couple of guys found, uh, and now Bogut, I guess you want to consider him like a buyout market type of guy. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's just so few contenders that, you know, I, I don't think that many teams actually think they have a shot in this. Maybe it's Golden State, Oklahoma City, Toronto, Milwaukee is like the real threats. Uh, but I think at least this is probably going to be an easier Golden, Golden State win, just like it has been in the past. You know, it's more of, Next year, when maybe Golden State breaks apart in some way, KD leaves, Clay leaves, whoever it might be, that teams are more open and guys are more open to join another stack team to try to win a title. But I think when you have a starting five like Golden State does, it kind of it kind of hurts your interest in uh, forming a, a super team somewhere else. Matt, I was talking about this on another show today here on our station about I feel like Marcus Cousins is going to be a guy that he played based on matchups because he cannot not defend the pick and roll to save his life. I know he's a great offensive player, but he's slow on defense, and Golden State can't switch with him on the court. They have to actually play real team defense with him on the court. So that's just for, for those guys, and I feel like he'll be a liability in the sense of you play a James Harden or a Russell Westbrook, you're going to put him in pick and rolls every time. You can't really play him unless you have Adams on the court or Nene or some or Capella. If you got Faria there for Houston, he's screwed. So how do you feel about the Warriors having kind of played boogie in certain spurts to make him be the most, most successful as possible when he come, off, come back off the, off the Achilles injury he has? And his gentleman being a big guy who's not there very fast to defend those pick and rolls with Westbrook and Harden there. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point, too. I think a lot of it's going to come down to however willing DeMarcus Cousins is to be honest with himself about where he stands athletically because he's obviously been been pretty good even after an Achilles injury, which is a which is a crazy serious injury. But you're right, he can't really defend a pick and roll that well. He can't jump out to the three point line and guard, and that's going to become a problem when they play like well, first of all, like a rim runner like Kenneth Reed, but also if they wind up playing Milwaukee in the finals. I mean, guarding Brook Lopez is going to be a nuisance for Demarcus. Um, it's a matter of if DeMarcus is going to be willing to understand that a matchup doesn't make sense for him and is willing to take a minutes cut, but we've never seen Cousins in the playoffs, so we've never seen this side of him. We've never seen the uh, championship run side of DeMarcus Cousins, so let's see if he is actually in it 
for rings or if he's in it for, you know, just proving himself to make a contract. It's probably some combination of both, but his attitude on whether or not he plays in certain spots is probably going to dictate how much drama comes out of this Golden State team in the in the final rounds of the playoffs. Yes, indeed. Well, Matt, great job, my brother. I'll have you, have you on again in the playoff time real soon, my man. I stay warm in D.C., brother. If you want to get warm, <laughs> throw out here in Atlanta, brother. Come on down to Atlanta and throw out a little bit, brother. Come on down. Love to have you. Oh, man. <laughs> Man, I'm going to have to start running down to Atlanta. Too cold up here, man. But thanks so much for having me. No doubt. That's Matt Ellen Suck on the Boss Man Show. People from, from SB Nation. Check him out on Twitter. His work is real good, brothers. Check him out, people. Till the tears run down from my eyes, Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody, can anybody find me? Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. All right, folks, back in the Boss Man Show. Time for my man, J.C. Smith, live from the barbershop. He is getting that line right for clicks tonight. What is good, bro? What's going on, boss, man? As we speak, man, get fresh, man, for the night. You know how it go? <laughs> no doubt. Well, bro, we started you off with the R. Kelly interview. Bro, what was your thoughts on my man's outburst with Gail King on CBS this morning and then the memes on the Internet with them putting Chapman in the closet theme his, his interview with Gail King? What were your thoughts on that Internet sensation that R. Kelly gave us this past Wednesday? Man, I'm telling you, he's one hell of an actor, man. Kind of remind me like, like a one of them Tyler Perry shows and one of them actors, like, uh, you know what I'm saying? That's what it kind of put me in mind of and, and trying to play the victim. And Gail, Gail King, to her credit, she she had dude pegged from the start. She, she knew exactly what he was doing. You know what I'm saying? And he was trying to play the victim and trying to get folks on his side because he knows it's the end of the road for him. It's a wrap. They about to put him under the jail now. Yeah, and that he was also arrested for back child support when he owed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they really getting on R. Kelly. Like, they are really putting clamps on Kells. Yeah, one way or another, they're going to make sure they get him. No doubt, bro. You know who also won that interview? Beijing. I mean, my man was <laughs> Beijing to the T. That interview, bro. But he might be, he might be a new sponsor. New sponsor of Beijing. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, and we got to turn our attention to the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Boogie Cousins is really struggling in the pick and roll coverages, man. And I feel like it looked like in this season uh, on the playoff start, he's gonna have to be a situational guy. Well, he's playing uh, the Joker, Nurkic in Portland, Stephen Adams, or even a Clint Capella, maybe. If it's no big out there, he's pretty much useless to them besides being on offense because he's such a liability on defense. Yeah, you know, it seemed like he was, you know, they were talking about him maybe showing signs that he could really, you know, be a factor for Golden State during this uh, this playoff run that's coming up for them uh, shortly once the season is. Um, and it's going to it's, it's it's be a very interesting thing, like I said, with Boogie to see, you know, how he can, you know, produce in the playoffs for them and what kind of role he can play. But, like, where if Golden State gets bounced? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, um, in the NBA Finals or – you know, even worse in the conference finals, man. I, I would love to see what the fallout is going to be. You know, does Durant leave? You know, and, and does Clay leave? You know, there's so many uh, puzzles 
you know, in, in the uh, if that you know, if they come to play, you know, what's going to happen if they don't, you know, somehow win this thing again, man. So it's very interesting, man. Like I said, you know, the boogie situation, he can bounce and go somewhere else also, man. So I'm, I can't wait for the playoffs to get started, man, see what Golden State does. Now, you got a big old battle right there for 3, 4, and 5 between OKC, Portland, and Houston. And that's really important to avoid the, to get that three seed to avoid the Warriors to the conference finals. Uh, when you look at the teams of Houston now, full strength now, uh, with all their guys back, adding Fareed and Marshall, they pretty much rebuilt their team on, on the cheap this year. Houston has. Portland is, is up there rising. They got Rodney Hood to trade deadline. He's been playing well for them. And OKC's kind of been all year long with Paul George a little bit nick, nick, nicked up here right now. So how do you pick that Western Conference battle for that 3C between the Blazers, Rockets, and the Thunder? Man, I'm telling you, I like, I like Houston. I really like Houston to be able to kind of hold on and, and, and grab it, that top spot there. And also, uh, man, the fact that, you know, you had Chris Paul hurt, and then he's coming back healthy. You had uh, Clint Capella hurt. He's coming back healthy, man. Houston could be a problem. Houston could be a problem again, man. They could find themselves right on the cusp of, you know, advancing to another NBA final, man. But it just seemed like with Houston, you just can't you just can't count. You can't bet on Chris Paul to uh, make it happen. He just seemed like he's cursed, man, you know, whenever it comes to those. He's a great player. Hall of Fame caliber player, man. But when it comes down to it, you just don't trust him. And I still, I still fully don't trust James Harden yet. Even though as great as he is, I don't trust him. You know, in the playoff setting, but I do trust him to be able to close out this regular season strong and you know to hold on. Uh, you know, to that top three spot there. Only time he's came up clutch, if I remember, was unfortunately against the Grizzlies when he was with the Clippers in Game Seven yeah. for his form. Only time he came up clutch is that is that game. Of all games. I remember it well. I remember it well, man. Definitely, man. But like I said, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the West. Now, bro, the other expert is Mike D'Antoni. You know he's showing that rotation of about seven guys or eight guys. And that's what got Chris Paul hurt last year, playing all Uh those minutes. You know, Mike D'Antoni loves to play a short rotation. And that tells me that I feel like Houston is going to – gas out because they have a long series and he's playing them all the minutes on the playoffs every other night per se or you get nights off in, nights off in between but those minutes catch up with you like you did with Chris Paul at the wrong time in game 5 of the West Conference Finals no doubt no doubt man like you said man, you know it's short rotation man especially with the Rocket situation you know it's going to depend heavily Heavily on the backcourt with Harden and Paul there, you know they're going to need they're going to need somebody else to step up. You know what I'm saying? Like they can't part uh, Harden and Paul. They can't do it all, man. They're going to need a big night from a Capella. You know they're going to need other guys to step up. I, you know a, a guy who could play a huge role is old Austin Rivers. You know if he can get high, he's very streaky, man. So a couple of time if he can string a couple of games where he's giving them, you know, 15, 20 points, man, that that could be huge. Are you shocked that the Clippers are still in this race, even though they've traded away their best players? They're obviously trying to rebuild and retool, and they're mm-hmm. still playing scrappy together in the, in this race here or ahead of the uh, Lakers, the Kings, the Timberwolves, and battling with the Spurs and those guys for the, for that 7th, 8th seed there. You know what? I'm not surprised, man. And, boss, you could probably attest to this also, man, with you 
growing up, uh, you know, in Orlando, Doc Rivers, you know, before, you know, he, he went to Boston and had you know, the big three and everything, you know, with uh, KG, um, uh, Ray Allen and uh, Paul Pierce, you know, those Orlando teams back in the day used to play hard. Man, they didn't have a lot of talent, but he somehow was able to get the most out of those teams. And I remember that one year Orlando was threatening to make the playoffs, and I think they finished like right at 500. He got coach of the year. You know, just for that that effort, nobody thought that Orlando team would be able to muster that type of record. You know, to even you know hover up above 500, man. So I'm not surprised. And, and even before the big three, he had he had those Boston teams playing hard as well, man. It's just something about playing for Doc Rivers, man. He gets the most out of his players. He makes the most of the talent that he has, man. Those guys they play well as a unit. And you know, when you got dogs like Patrick Beverly on your team, man. You know, when you got guys like leaders like that out there, man. You know, you going to they, the, the other players just feed off of that, feed off that energy, man. And, and Montrezl Harrell, man, he's another guy that's high energy, high motor, high motor guys, man. So you play, you play with guys like that, you coach guys like that. You know, it just kind of just it feeds down to the rest of the team, man. I think that's why you see the Clippers having the success that they're having this year. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if they do hold on to the playoff spot. I wouldn't be surprised if they make make noise in the playoffs. I'm not saying they're gonna win a playoff series, but I can see them extending a, a first round series to maybe six, seven games or something. Yes, and they're doing that team with Chucky Atkins, Daryl Armstrong, Ben Wallace. Unfortunately, yeah. in the Grand Hill signing trade, we traded there away Chucky Atkins and Ben Wallace to the Pistons, which helped make the Pistons run great those few years. There was mm-hmm. Detroit basketball. And we, exactly. tried, we, we, we tried to form a simple team in Orlando with Tim Duncan. He rebuffed the state with the Spurs, Tracy McGrady, and Grant Hill. I think we got Tim Duncan and T Mac. We still would have done some back in the day, but Grant Hill was still busted right. up. But if you got if you got all three of them and Grant Hill fizzled out, we still would have been good. If we else had oh, Duncan yeah. and McGrady. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it was a great chance. There was a possibility there that it could happen, yeah. Yes, indeed. Now, bro, uh, the AAF is in Memphis playing at the Liberty Bowl. I ain't, ain't many fans coming out to see those guys, man. What, what's been the problem with drawing fans to watch the AAF team out there in Memphis? Man, I think it's the fact, you know, Mike Singletary is not the world's greatest coach or anything like that. He's a He's a nice guy, you know, positive guy, you know. Whereas the head coach, I, I like Mike Singletary more as a coordinator per se, more so than a head coach because he he's you know he's all defense and that's it. And but he did he did make the make the right switch by going with Beckberger over uh, Hackenberg. Man, you talk about <laughs> two of the lesser lesser <laughs> quarterbacks to have, but Beckberger is the better quarterback, man. Uh, he's not much better, but he's slightly better than Hackenberg, man. So I'm glad they made that switch and and by doing that they were able to get the first win. You know, uh, of of the season there, man. But yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be successful. You know, I really do. I think it's something that, that I think eventually it's going to become like the NFL's version of the minor league. You know, so you know, it's a great possibility that can happen. Now, I think Jason Witten did us all a favor by going back to the Cowboys because, Lord, his commentary was was brutal. I think he did. Yeah. Uh, all favorite. I wonder if he's, is he going to take his happiness with him to, to the Cowboys when he goes back to play for them because uh, ESPN was stuck. We were stuck. He wasn't Tony Romo. He messed up things. And he also showed his political leanings too. When he said, when he said Coming Week, they're getting all left wing with it. So he told us where, where he stands. So it was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. time for you to go, Jason Witten. So what are your thoughts on Witten in the booth and that one year experiment gone bad and now he's back with the Cowboys? <laughs> Man, they give anybody they give anybody a job. 
of uh, ESPN, man. But y'all got to play for the Cowboys. But like I said, um, now he was not Romo by no means, man. Wouldn't try. You know, you can tell he gave it great effort, but it just wasn't him. You know what I'm saying? It, it wasn't. That wasn't meant for him. To, meant for him to be a, a post, uh, you know, NFL commentator after after his uh, career, or whatever. And and like I said, you know, he still had longing, still wanted to, you know, still had a fire to compete. You know, um, you know, uh, and, and and that that doesn't go away. You know, so not my thing is at this point how much how much does he have left in the tank to help us to help the Cowboys um, going forward. You know, because he was the most athletic guy in the world before he left. He was able to get it done, man. So a year off, you know, did that make him a little bit slower? Or you know, it's it's gonna be interesting to see, man. And you know, because I thought I thought the young guys were were you know coming along and tighting, like the Blake Jarwins of the world. You know, I thought he, I thought he was developing nicely. I thought uh, Dalton Schultz showed uh, the signs also, man. So if he can come in and help those young guys and help them develop, and he can still give us something, you know, on the field, then I'm all for it, man. But I don't, I don't want him coming back. Also, I don't want him coming back to be a hindrance to the young players' development, young tight ends, at least. Yeah, and also, Tank Lawrence got the franchise tag with the Cowboys there that they can't afford Weddle or Earl Thomas. That means you stuck with Jeff Heath and uh, Xavier Woods back there. How, what are your thoughts on that? Maybe try to get one of those third-tier safeties behind the Matthews of the world on those guys who are on the market right now. Well, yeah, well, as you know, boss, by – the Cowboys uh, designating DeMarcus Lawrence again this year with that uh, franchise tag, uh, second year in a row with it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to keep the tag on him for the rest of the season. As you know, this basically just buys them time um, till July 15th um, to you know get a long-term deal done. So they can still maybe work out a long-term deal and then still have money to kind of go after some other needs. Um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sold on Earl Thomas' thing. You know, Earl Thomas, he's going to want big money. Um, I would rather, if to be honest, I would rather take that money and maybe look at, if you're going to go safety, why not uh, Collins uh, from the Giants? You know? He, he, wants 11, not, yeah. he wants 11 million, though. Yeah. You know, but if, if Earl Thomas talking 11 million, you know, I would rather put that in a guy that's 25 years old as opposed to a guy that's 30, 30 years old coming off to, uh, you know, to knee, knee uh, injury there, man. No doubt, well, bro. I know you got a big night uh, tonight at Clicks. Where, uh, what's what's going on tonight with Memphis Got Talent, bro? Man, each and every Saturday night, you know what it is. Memphis Got Talent, man. Uh, come on out. If you can rap, sing, whatever your talent is, man, we want you to come out and display it, man. You know, show the city how you get down, show them what you can do. So come on out tonight, man. The liveest party spot in the city. Clicks is going down, man. You know what it is. Your boy JC, Three Kings, Trust Us Records, the whole nine. If my man did this off, I'm on the barbershop. Bro, I appreciate you, my man. This is the first ever on the Boss Man Show. You did a good job with the barbershop, bro. They held down for us along the show, bro. If they tell the guys, I said, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You know how we do it, bro. It's all good. All right, bro. No doubt, folks. JC Smith on the Boss Man Show. My heart skips skipping the beach. You're not close enough, so that space between you and me, let's lose it. The way you're dancing, swaying to the music, girl, that body and how you move it. Every time you cross my mind, girl, I lose it. Alexa, play the Country Heat playlist. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. 
All right, you folks, back on the Boston Man Show. Time for Boston Ball segments this week's show. Holler at my man up there in Jersey, Tony T-Bone Williams. What's good, brother? The Yankee Doodle Dandy is back. I'm happy to be here. How you doing, brother? I'm good, brother. It's just winding down another season. The birthday's next week. Uh, I know there's going a lot going on with March Madness. So, man, bro, I'm excited and happy, brother. Yeah, I hear you, man. <laughs> now, bro, I got started off with the New York Giants to let Landon Collins walk in fragrancy. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Giants not wanting to pay Collins $11 million that he wants in fragrancy? And in that same vein, if like Eric Reed signed to early with Carolina only getting $7 million a year, well, he got to take, take what he can get while he can get it. Yeah, uh, it's, it's apparent that uh, – Collins wasn't a Gettleman uh, pick. So you know how the new GMs come in and they want their, quote-unquote, their guys. Uh, but to me, it's baffling uh, because the Giants have played their hands over the last two years as if they're always battling for contention when they should be tanking every last two years. And case in point, they bypass quarterbacks of the future for running back now, even though they're not a now team. So now they're doing it. it looks like they're kind of trying to, to slowly rebuild, but not say it in, in, in so many words. And I guess by letting Landon Collins test the waters, they're, I guess they're trying to say, let's go with more youth and, and see what it takes us. But to me, I mean, Landon Collins, he has his struggles in space as, as, as a coverage safety. But when you talk about in-the-box safety, he's one of the top five in-the-box in the league. So to me, it's kind of weird how now they're trying to go with a rebuild quote-unquote rebuild, other than trying to do that at least two years ago. Now, does that mean Odell Beckham Jr. could be in play for a trade, or that's still off the table right now? You know, I absolutely believe that he that, – that is always on the table. I, I absolutely believe that Gettleman is one of those guys that, that's never afraid to make bold moves or even moves that might seem odd. Uh, you, you saw he did in Carolina. You know, he let a guy like, like a Steve Smith go. Uh, and who still had a lot in the tank. Uh, so he's not afraid to make these moves and, and make these deals. So to me, if Odell ever got traded, it wouldn't totally shock me. There was Dwayne Haskins, the buzz up there in, in the tri-state area. Is that who the Giants looking at taking as to be groomed by Eli Manning for one more year? Or are they going to try to do something else with that pick? I will say that I living in Jersey uh, all my life. I'm only eight miles from Giant Stadium. So, I mean, almost all my friends who, who I know in the area are Giants fans. And they all, to a man, they all want Haskins. Uh, but you know what? A string of things have happened in the draft. You know, Gettleman should have gotten a quarterback last year and took the best player on the, on the board, Saquon. Uh, and it didn't help them get any wins. Uh, so, Gettleman, like I said, is always outside the box in, in that reference. Uh but you know what? On a hush-hush deep down, I don't know they'll take Haskins. And I say that if you go by the Giants' history, uh, they don't draft um, certain players at that position of certain ilk, if you know what I mean. Yes. They, they, they don't. They, I, 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 it took me long and hard to go back and think about uh, when they had a draftable uh, quarterback uh, a, a black quarterback that was just sitting in their laps, and they and they didn't. And you know what? Uh, I can't think of any. Uh, I think they got Andre Woodson one year, who played at Kentucky, 
but that was like a six round pick, I think. Uh, they don't. They had Geno Smith here, but he's not. He was never a draft pick. Uh, the it's, it's just funny. I'm not sure if it's coincidence or not, but it's just funny. The Giants really don't delve into, into, into black quarterbacks. So I'm not. I'm not trying to start any fire, but I'm just saying, if you go by the history of that franchise, they really don't do that kind of thing. So I don't know why. You got there, right? I, I can't really recall a black quarterback with the New York Giants per se. I can't think of one. And only one I can think of really is Ray Lewis. No, not Ray Lewis. No, I mean Ray Lucas at the Jets and Geno Smith with the Jets. I can't think of, think of any other minority quarterbacks like can put face to name with, in, with up there in the Jersey area, up there in Florham Park, New Jersey, or in East Rutherford, New Jersey, the Meadowlands. Yeah, there's just a few teams out there historically – for some reason or another, they don't go that route. They don't go that route with their quarterbacks or their coaches. So to me, uh, I it just I don't know. It just it's kind of a weird anomaly. I don't know. I'm not trying to start start anything, Giants fans. I'm just saying that what I know uh, in, in my tenure as a writer for the Giants, I covered for ten years. I've lived here for forty five years, so I I know the area. I know the team, and I just never seen one really that was a draftable prospect for them. Now Nick Foles, the Eagles would not tag him. He'll be allowed to walk in pregnancy. If I'm Nick Foles, I'm upset. That would have been $25 billion guaranteed for one year. I'm going to sign that contract and make him trade me. Where else is he going to Jacksonville? Uh, would you see him either in D.C. or in New York if they try to move over Eli, Eli Manning? But they probably won't do that. They don't want to make the fans mad like McAdoo did. But how do you see Foles to Jacksonville going, going, on back, going under the rule of Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone down there in Jacksonville? Duval County, one of the <laughs> courteous tech counties in Florida, is Duval County. <laughs> I will say quickly on um, – uh, McAdoo, he was right. So looking back on that, he was right. And he, he got ran out of town for that. Now with um, Foles going to Jacksonville reportedly, I mean, it, it technically is an upgrade. Uh, obviously, he's a Super Bowl MVP, although I think it had more to do with Peterson's game plan and that terrible pack defense in that game than, than Foles lighting it up. Uh, I, I was never really a Foles guy, quite honestly. Uh, I think that 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 he's been inflated playing in Philly that year, and all that talent around him, where all he does get the ball out of his hands quickly into the talent hands. Uh, so to me, obviously, it is an upgrade over over, over uh, Bortles. Bortles is you know he's he's, he's what he is. Um, and, and Marone, say what you want about him and what he did to the Bills, but I still can't believe he did to the Bills that year as a head coach. He he knows how to coach offenses and I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that that he has talent on, on the perimeter and the backfield but for some reason they're kind of alienating that talent they alienated Fournette now so what does that mean for Fournette going forward because you Nick Foles needs that running game he just can't go out there and swing it 45 50 times a game so it's a it's, a, it's an improve <laughs> over Bortles but to me I don't think that makes much difference they're trying, to, they're trying to get rid of uh, T.J. Yeldon and Carlos Hyde. So, you Fournette's always, always injury-prone. So, I don't know what Coughlin's doing down there in Jacksonville at the Gator Bowl, where, where they play it. It's not – or All-Tail <laughs> Stadium. How do, <laughs> how do you want to call that place now? Whatever ever Bank Stadium, whatever the hell that is. Okay. <laughs> Whatever the hell Everbank is, whatever that is. So we got that. The bone. You are a Laker fan. 
The collapse <laughs> is in full throttle. When the Lakers lost to the Atlanta Hawks on February 12th, it about blew my mind. And But I did have fun poking at someone on that roster. A couple of guys, actually. <laughs> R.R. and L.B.J., who I don't <laughs> like very much. I enjoyed needling them after that loss to the Atlanta Hawks, who shouldn't have won the game anyway. But beyond that point, <laughs> what is your <laughs> feelings on the Laker collapsing, have they quit on LeBron and Luke Walton, Magic and Palinka? Well, going back real quick to that loss and ATL, uh, I, I know someone who called that loss ahead of time because uh, of the party activities down there in Atlanta, number four. <laughs> so uh, they uh, so so that didn't shock me then. Hearing they lost to Atlanta, uh, but this team is done. This this team is cooked. I know I went on laughing. I said that I, I will believe it when I see it, that, that, they're, that they're out of it. They're out of it. They're, they're done. That, like I said, there's no continuity. There, there's no teamwork. There's no camaraderie. They have the same issues with they had in Boston where the, the guys, the supporting cast, the others, they're not buying in to the leader. You know, and, and, and you're seeing it. They're not buying in. And, and when they see the leader half-assed on defense, they're looking around saying, watch I try hard. If we see our supposed playoff activated leader not not giving effort on on, on defense, why should I really uh, you know be, be all in? And especially if this guy trying to trade me, you know, in February. Uh, and you look at it though, because this team as a whole, I know injuries is, is an excuse, is a valid excuse. But if you look deeper, they're not giving the effort on defense, and they don't trust each other on defense. Anyone in NBA these days can score. Because the rules allow it. Anyone can score. Anyone can get buckets. But the real good teams, they show cohesion on defense. They talk on defense. They have each other's back on defense. And this team does not have any of that. Yes, indeed. The Lakers are like Florida men. They are messed up and bone. We have a Florida man who cut off his own Johnson because the woman he's going to lay with presented him with unclean cat. So she opens up her legs and this uh. is a rising funk and you cut your, cut your jug off. I don't get the correlation. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make sense. Look, there's, I mean, we've always said this when we do Florida stuff. There's no rational, there's no reason to ever try to mutilate your own self, cut your own junk off to fight someone else. To, to say to a woman, you're dirty and funky, so I'm going to cut mine off. That makes no sense at all. <laughs> I'm like, the, he told the doctor it was a natural reaction because he was scared of what could have got on his junk, so he cut it off. <laughs> what? So so in order to protect his junk, instead of you know using a latex or, or something or leaving. to protect himself, <laughs> or just walking out the door, he decided to just remove his, his, his member. Then that... that I'll, I'll never understand Florida for that. Man. <laughs> I'm like, why would I hurt myself? Is a reaction to someone else's poor hygiene. Yeah, I, like I said, there's never a scenario where I'm going to cut up my own junk. Listen, I don't care if the scenario where I'm trapped in a cave somewhere, and they say, you know what? Either world peace. In order to get world peace, you must cut off your junk. Guess what? We're going to be a warring world. But I ain't cutting my junk for any circumstance. Exactly. The last one I got for you, Bone, is this. A Florida man was arrested trying to steal a hot water heater in which the hot water heater tumbled over him and broke his leg. <laughs> you trying to steal it first? Yes. 
He's trying to steal a full hot water heater with water in it. First of all, I didn't know y'all need hot water heaters down in Florida. I guess for for showers, maybe. For showers. Okay, shower. Okay, okay, shower. But you know what? It's not worth it. It really isn't. And now so now he has no hot shower. He has he has no walk. He has to limp around in jail with a broken leg now. He tries to steal his neighbor's hot water heater for his own for his own because his own his went out. His went out. Yeah, you know <laughs> You know the funny thing is, you know what, I'm not handy. I, I'm not big on the tools. I I'm not Mr. Handyman. I know I'm not. Uh, but I know it takes a lot of work and effort to, to unhook the hot water heater. So what so what the what was his end game? Did he was even get away with it? <laughs> exactly. How about drain it first? Maybe they're they're they're, yeah. they're heavy on the face of they're heavy. But how about you yeah. maybe drain it, then try to steal it, not when it filled up. <laughs> yeah, and and the noise though, as far as they're clanking and clanking, <laughs> I like people are people have to hear this. Like he didn't think it all the way through. He did not, and now he's laid up in the Metro Orlando hospital with a broken leg, <laughs> and with yeah, shackles around him, with a with a guard watching him the whole time, which he deserves for that yeah. pathetic idea. Stupid <laughs> <laughs> so, is stupid does. Yes, indeed. Well, folks, that is Boston Bone gave you some sports in Florida. If you love us, do check us out. At bossmanshow.com, always boss and bone. We are out.